Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with us here today. If you're listening, it's the Thanksgiving holiday. If you're listening live and if you're listening 10 years from now, today's a great day to be thankful for all of the great stuff in our life. The question becomes, what are you going to do with who you are? What do you know that you're going to share with the world. It's so important that we take that essence, that core, that heart, that soul of who we are, and we really truly share it with the world. That we don't, as it were, hide that talent um, under a bushel, hide it under a rock, keep it all to ourselves. That we share who we are. How are you going to share what is inside of you? Maybe it's going to come out in poetry or songs. Maybe there are things like that that are the heart and soul and essence of who you are that it comes out. Maybe with all of your knowledge and experience, you're going to uh, create a book that's going to share with the world the things that you're an expert at and help people have an easier time with the things in their life. Or maybe you want to take the personal development stuff you've done in, in your own life and now you're going to share with the world the key that you know that will unlock them to a better life. Whatever the thing might be, whatever your thing is, you are important and you being you is so amazing, so imperative in this world. What are you going to share with the world? What part of your heart and soul can you put out in the world to share it, to make it powerful, palatable even, for others in this world so that they too can thrive in what they do in life? What a great thing to be able to do for each of us to be able to just be ourselves while it's called today and share the heart, soul, and core of who we are with the rest of the world. For the person in need that wants, needs what you do. Oh, what an amazing gift to the world to be able to just simply share you with the world, share your message with the world, share who you are with the world. What a great thing. Imagine what a world we'd, we'd have if each of us just woke up today, not tomorrow, not yesterday, we don't worry about any of those, but just today, woke up today and said, you know what, I'm going to be the best version of me today, and I'm going to share the best me with the entire world today by just helping any one person as I come to them. Maybe it's as simple as a smile or an encouraging word. Maybe it's just that light in your eyes that helps somebody else have a good day. I don't know what your thing is, but I know that you have something special about you. And I'm here to encourage you today to share you with the world. I've got three great, amazing authors that are going to share themselves with you and talk about their books and help you get help, advice, and information that you need. As you share you with the world, they are going to give you a perfect example of how they are making the impact that only they can make by sharing themselves with the world. And if each of us does that, then each of us can live as a thriving entrepreneur. Oh, I love that so much. 
we do have three great guests, and we're going to jump right into the first one right now. Join me in welcoming Tamana Saeed. How are you doing today, Tamana? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world. Okay, so I am a poet and a writer, but I'm also someone who is a huge mental health advocate. I'm very interested in public health as well. I'm currently pursuing my master's in public health. I'm an MPH candidate at BU School of Public Health. And I'm also looking towards becoming a program manager and a health communications advocate. Um, I'm also a first-generation college graduate and an immigrant. So in a lot of the writing that you'll see from me and in a lot of the poetry, I talk about those multiple sides of my identity. And I also have a huge list of hobbies that I'm interested in. Um, I would say, of course, poetry is one of them, but I'm interested in anything creative arts and writing. Um, I'm an artist. I also love to do henna, um, filmmaking, screenwriting, and I have a huge love for storytelling and fiction. The poems that are in this, because it is a totally entire book of poems, the poems that are in this, they span pretty much your whole life to date. Is that correct? Pretty much my whole life. I would say I've included the poems that I've written since I was around the age of 12. Um, so it is it is pretty much <laughs> my whole life, I would say, like from middle school until basically high school and college, my graduate program. And it kind of explores how I've grown as a person in terms of not only just maturity, but in terms of the type of trauma that I've experienced growing up, someone who, you know, grew up in a single parent household and also had to kind of be like feel acclimated to different environments, like being a Bangladeshi American, like being like someone who has traveled to multiple different countries and has acquired, you know, different interests and different identities. So from, yeah, from the ages of 12. And I think, you know, I've kind of <laughs> been able to edit things and make them more legible since I was of that age. Um, but I would say that I felt it was really important to include those poems that I wrote from that early age, because it really allows you to see the type of growth that I've done. Um, you know, when you're younger, there's a lot of different emotions, not just hormonal, but <laughs> a lot of different feelings that you might have. Um, I feel like resentment and just, you know, um, just pent up anger or like just being like not being able to navigate life in the correct sense. But then once you get older, of course, you start to really grasp what it means to like fulfill your purpose in life or what it means to truly know who you are and have some level of integrity. So I think that's something I definitely express um, in my poetry collection. Um, but again, like a lot of those experiences are very common for people for younger um, younger people especially for women of color immigrants um, so I would say that's pretty much what you can expect from reading my book I had to actually look it up so for people who don't know where is where in the world is Bangladesh so Bangladesh is pretty much it's between it's kind of interesting and difficult to describe. There was this partition that happened between India and Pakistan. And during that time, Bangladesh was actually on the other side. It was on Pakistan. It was part of Pakistan. And then there was there was a mass genocide that had occurred. And due to this, Bangladesh became its own country. So those three countries were all one huge country. And then now like Bangladesh is kind of in India, if that makes sense, it's kind of like this in-between piece of, of India, um, similar to like Lesotho or like how you would see South Africa um, on the map. So it's pretty much the southern part of Asia. So my mom, she got married at the age of 21. She had an arranged marriage and then she basically went all the way from her place and her little uh, city in Bangladesh to this huge place, the United States of America. Um, so she's 
you know, we've been living in Cambridge since then. I was pretty much raised in Cambridge, but a lot of those cultural values of being Bangladeshi, um, you know, such as like honoring your parents, like really understanding your traditions. Um, those are kind of the norms that I grew up having. And I think trying to adapt to both like American culture and Bangladeshi culture is something that I've really had to navigate. And you'll see that when I write my book, um, especially when I've <laughs> when you read my book. Um, so a lot of it has to do with, I'd say just like what it means, what the patriarchy looks like, what it means to be a woman of color, um, you know, how I pretty much like go through the world in a very fearless way. And I always have to like come out as strong at the end. But I think in reading my book um, from the title, you might have noticed that, you know, it's two birds, it's the falcon and the dove. Um, so the falcon is like, you know, this more fierce, passionate, um, assertive creature. And then you have the dove, which is more docile, it's more submissive, um, it's more like warm and gentle. Um, so those are the two types of my identities, um, two parts of my identity that I've really explored. Um, so yeah, and I think that identity was basically formed as, you know, I learned to become more acclimated to these two different cultures. And it's it's interesting because even on the cover, you know, it kind of shows the dove captured in the talons of the falcon. And does it feel that way sometimes? Like, you know, I've got this sensitive side of me, but that fierce side has just got a hold of me. <laughs> yeah. I think it could actually go both ways. Like, you know, you're carrying the dove. Like the dove is a part that you're really carrying with you, even though your dominant side, like to the world, you might be seen as someone who is fearless or someone who is like confident on the outside. I think we all have different experiences and maybe even insecurities or weaknesses. Um, and sometimes we see our vulnerabilities or like the dove as a weakness, but it's not necessarily, you know, weak to be vulnerable, weak to express your emotions and your feelings. And I think we all hold those different sides of our personality within. Um, but sometimes we have to decide which side to really um, unleash. So I think that's really like what it means when you see like that falcon carrying that dove and kind of latching onto that dove. Like I want to be able to nurture that side of my personality, but I also want to be able to unleash the other side as well. So they come kind of hand in hand. Yeah. Mm, that's good stuff. So the totally unfair question that I always ask everybody, um, which is your favorite children? No, you know, so in this case, uh, do you have a favorite today uh, of the poems out of your book? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think each poem kind of has a like I was in a different state of mind in writing it. I think, of course, there's times when I'm more melancholic or I'm feeling a bit down. And there are other times when I feel very strong and powerful. And you'll see some of my more like, like, I guess, domineering poems um, or having a domineering tone in some of my poems. Um, I think I would say the woman and the children is one of my favorites. And The Sin of Old Age is also one of my favorites. I think when I was writing The Woman and the Children, it was actually a poem that I had performed um, in college during a poetry slam. And I wrote the poem because there was like a deep urgency that I felt to really express what it meant to be a woman and what it meant to really like go for your rights. Um, especially as someone who has experienced various forms of abuse and trauma in life um, in different levels. So I think, you know, exploring misogyny or like just exploring the world um, in those ways is what I really wrote about in that poem. And when you read it, you can kind of feel how I was feeling. And I think in a sense that poem is really exerting that energy like even as you read it it kind of sounds like a song it kind of sounds like maybe a rap song or that's what some people have said but I think the sin of old age the reason why I also like that is because 
I'm looking at it from the lens of someone who's outside of myself. So a lot in a lot of the poetry, I basically I basically speak in the first person. I speak from the point of view of myself. And then I'm trying to basically see something from someone else's point of view, like a woman that I had seen who was older and kind of wondering how our lives juxtapose with one another and how we also have so many interconnections with each other as humans and how I kind of see myself in her. Um, so I think out of a lot of my poems, um, that's also one of my favorites. And I think, you know, when my friends have read through the poetry, they would also say that that was one of their favorites as well. They're all so good. And, and they do really span every bit of life existence from just, you know, things that you were musing about when you were, uh, you know, a, a teen or those kind of things to, you know, some really deep issues that, you know, we've dealt with in society recently. So um, that's really cool. Um, the book is called The Falcon and the Dove. I am going to put the link in to the chat so that if anybody wants to get it, they can get it on a, on Amazon today. Um, what what are your intentions to do? Did you just need to put the book out of you or do you want to go deeper and further with people? So I think what really inspired me to write the book um, was basically like when I was a kid, I experienced, um, I guess, a lot of social isolation. And I was kind of a quiet kid that used to like keep to myself. Um, and I really want people to understand that it's okay to, you know, have these feelings and poetry is a way of, you know, feeling like getting out that catharsis and just being able to release a part of you that you felt kind of was silenced. And I want to basically give this, <laughs> basically share this book with people who somehow resonate with that, especially, you know, being someone who kind of stood out from the crowd or someone who really like really saw themselves as different and want to be able to explore that more. Um, of course, like I'm still young <laughs> um, and I have, you know, a long way to go and probably a, like my poems from five years, 10 years from now are going to look a lot different. Um, but I think from someone who is my age or younger, they'll really love, you know, the po some of the poems and they'll really be able to relate to it. So my goal here is just to, you know, get this out, get people to read it, um, kind of sense how they feel. And later on, I also want to be able to go into different forms of writing. So also fictional writing, story, storytelling. Um, I'm currently actually taking a storytelling class at BU. Um, so it's exploring different health issues across the globe. It's from the Global Health Program and we're doing NPR radio um, and also being able to publish stories. And I think later on, I would also love to go into screenwriting as well, drama writing as well. Um, so I think my lens, it it's really large. It doesn't just end here. Um, but yeah, this is kind of my first step and I'm really glad that I'm taking this step with you. Absolutely. The book is called The Falcon and the Dove. It is The Falcon and the Dove. I want to make sure that my words didn't sound weird there. Um, and it is available today, actually, for free on Amazon. Um, you can help participate in making this book a bestseller. Um, and it'll be available, of course, ongoingly on Amazon. Uh, do get the book, The Falcon and the Dove. Uh, Tamana, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed being here. Such wonderful poetry. I hope you did get your copy of the book. If not, go to Amazon and get it still. What an amazing way that Tamana has shared who she is, what she's been through from, uh, you know, a teen girl all the way to where she is now in life. What a powerful thing for her just sharing herself with the world, being the best version of herself that she could be in this space and continuing to move forward in life. What a great way to thrive. What a great way to be in this world. And ultimately, at the end of the day, isn't that really what it means to live as a thriving entrepreneur? We are going to take our first quick commercial break, and then we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away.
author who's on a mission. Stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. In the first section, we were talking with Tamana about her poetry and the powerful way she was sharing her with the world. And now we're going to move on to another gentleman who is sharing himself in the world. He took all the education that he went through to become a PhD level nurse. And now he's sharing with you how to be able to make your way through to navigate the waters that is the medical community and your own personal health care. And he's taking what he knows, sharing it with the world, and helping you powerfully show up as the best version of you in your health. Let's jump right in. Join me in welcoming Dr. David Wilcox. Hey, David, how are you doing today? Doing great, Steve. How are you? I'm doing really good, thanks. So tell us a little bit first about who you are and what you do in the world. Sure. So I am a doctorate prepared nurse, which some people have trouble wrapping their heads around, but I am a nurse with a doctorate degree. And um, what I do is I'm a healthcare disruptor. So the things that you want to ask questions about in healthcare, I have the clinical knowledge and I'm the person asking those questions in the room. Things like when the insurance company is denying your claim, how do you handle the insurance company? When you're faced with high prescription drug prices, how do you lower them? I'm the person who disrupts those models. So what is the difference in the levels of nursing? Because I know you can do like a two-year, a one-year, all the way up to doctorate. So kind of explain that to us that don't know. Okay. And, and every role is valuable. So you start with your licensed practical nurse, which is about a year's worth of training. Um, and then you have your two-year associate prepared nurse. It's about two years of training. And then you have your bachelor's, which is four years of training. And then you have your master's of science in nursing, which is another two years of training for a total of six. And then you can get your doctorate, which means you've been training for about eight years. So by the time you've gotten your doctorate, what really is the difference between a doctorate nurse and a doctor? So a medical doctor can diagnose um, a doctorate nurse would be the, like the top nurse at a hospital, a chief nursing officer would be a doctor prepared nurse. Not all chief nursing officers are doctor prepared, but um, many of them are. And so uh, nurse practitioners, um, are they a hybrid between them or, or is that what the doctor? I, I, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So a nurse practitioner is actually a master's prepared nurse that can diagnose and treat and falls more along the same lines as a medical doctor. In fact, nurse practitioners are gonna be the answer to the clinician shortage in this country. That's, that's really interesting. So a RN, a registered nurse, is that the four-year level? An RN could be a two-year level, a four-year level, a master's prepared level, oh, or a doctorate. Okay. I'm also a registered nurse. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's just really interesting because I guess I just never, you know, you never ask your nurse, but you always make sure your doctor has his plaque up on the wall, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I've got several plaques up on my wall. <laughs> 
although the flip side to it is I've often joked, it's like, you know, nobody ever asked their doctor, did you graduate first in your class at Harvard or were you the guy that barely squeaked through the jo- the door at, you know, like Joe Bob's university? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, you know, you can always check their quality outcomes on the Centers for Medicare and, and Medicaid Services website, cms.gov, and you can see how they're rated quality wise. So that's, that's the most important thing. Cause it, even if they're, you know, if they graduated top of their class, they may not have good judgment and they may not be rated as high as possible. You might want that other guy at the bottom of the barrel there to take care of you because he may have better quality standards. So um, that's one of the things I try to tell people right off the bat, you know, you can, you're hiring your care team. It's not the other way around. They don't hire you as a patient or a consumer. So you need to check and make sure and do your research to make sure you're going to get the best care possible. Well, let's then jump into talking about your book, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, A Patient's Handbook for Survival, because I think that one that you just said is a really great tip. I mean, I think a lot of us just feel like whatever our insurance company tells us is the doctor we're going to, that's the doctor we go to. Right. So, yeah, you, there's the in-network piece of it. Right. So um, but even even that gets dicey. Um, and I talk about that in the book a little bit like I know somebody here who had a surgery done and they made sure that they were in network at an in-network hospital with an in-network doctor. And the anesthesiologist was out of network. And when they got done with the surgery, they got a bill for ten thousand dollars. So some things are beyond your control. Um, you know, at, you can tell your your insurance company or your hospital that you only want in-network people to work on you to decrease your costs. Um, but a lot of that goes on in healthcare, And that's the main reason why I wrote the book. I think it's really interesting that it comes from a nursing perspective because, you know, the doctor comes in the room and he sees you, Steve, he diagnoses you and then he hands you to me or a nurse. And we're the people who hold your hand while your loved one's dying, we're the people who go into those innermost spaces. So having this written by a nurse is taking you into some some innermost spaces. I've had some people say that they've had to put the book down because of some of the stories in it and just, you know, just digest it because they're like, wow, how can something like that happen in a hospital? Um, And so, you know, the healthcare is complex, And it's not accidental. It's complex for a reason by the entities that are buying for your healthcare dollars. And trying to break that down into layman's terms is what this book is all about. How does the average American understand what's going on? How do they understand that, hey, you can bag up your medications at home and take them to the hospital with you if you're going in non-emergently and they can use your medications and you'll save yourself some money. They're not going to charge you 25 bucks for a Tylenol. There's all kinds of tips in here. I have little nursing knowledge boxes that break it down into, you know, brief synopsis of what the chapter's about. Um, But it's just, I want to educate as many people as I can. I mean, as nurses, we want to make sure that you have the best outcomes. And so that's why I wrote the book. And that's why I think it's important to hear it from a nurse as opposed to a medical doctor. That makes total sense too, because just even thinking while you were saying that, I was thinking it's like, you know, I could name, maybe not by name, but I could think of incidences where I've had really bad doctors. Um, but I'm trying to think of I've ever really had an instance where I've had a really bad nurse. Yeah, I'm sure there's some out there, but thank God I've never run into them. <laughs> right. I just, I mean, it's, I think it's a totally different uh, way that they come at the world. You know yeah. what I mean? So we have to, we have to mop up a lot after the doctors, right? So if something doesn't work right and you have to mop it up. So I, I share a story in the book about, I was in the grocery store in my local community and I heard these two women talking and one woman said to the other, I'm going to go to the hospital and get my procedure done by Dr. So-and-so. And I'm like, Oh Lord, because I had taken care of some of Dr. So-and-so's patients and they did not progress as rapidly as his partners. And, you know, you you just know, being in healthcare, you know who these guys are, right? That's why I go back to that star ratings and CMS, because then you can know who these guys are too. Um, But anyway, um, 
in the frozen food section, I'm thinking, God, should I say something? What do I do? You know, because here's somebody who I know is not going to have a fun time with it. And so she comes waltzing by me with her shopping cart. And I said to her, I couldn't help but overhear your conversation. And she said, oh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm getting this procedure done at the hospital by Dr. So-and-so. And I said, so I can't tell you who I am, but I work at the hospital and you really should find a different doctor. His patients don't do as well as the guys that he works with. And she just looked at me, just drained it. And she said, thank you, as I was walking away. And when I saw her at the hospital, she was under the care of another doctor. But healthcare is complex, right? Because if I was prepping her for surgery, Steve, at, and I said something like that to her, that would have been totally inappropriate. And the hospital could have fired me for it, right? So... I mean, that's that's the difference between a nurse giving you the information and a doctor or somebody, somebody who's up here. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what kind of things do you dive into in the book? Well, I've, I've got actually it's, it's kind of funny. I've got one part of the book that if you're going to have surgery, what are the questions you ask your surgeon? So not a lot of people know that surgeons in teaching hospitals don't sometimes don't even do your surgery. It's an intern or somebody practicing, right? So the first question you want to ask is, are you going to be the one to do my surgery? The second question you want to ask is, am I going to be the first case that day? Statistically, you do better as the first case. And besides the fact that you can't eat or drink after midnight, I don't know about you, but I like to eat. And so I don't want my surgery at five o'clock in the afternoon when I'm standing between this doctor and happy hour. So, you know, those kind of questions people never think to ask. Um, and it's funny because my neighbor got a hold of the book and then found out he had to have a hernia surgery. And so he actually asked the surgeon all these questions. And he came back to me and said, you know, the guy looked at me like I had three heads. He said, you know, he, he, you could see his wheels spinning. Who is this guy talking to? Because he was prepped. He didn't go in there just, you know, yeah, put me on the schedule, do my surgery. He was an active part of his health care. He was directing his health care. He was hiring his team. And, you know, that kind of knowledge, I mean, we're all going to need health care at some point in time. That kind of knowledge is essential to the American public, especially if you don't have a nurse in your network. Another piece of advice I talk about in the book is find a nurse in your network. If you don't have one, find a friend who knows a nurse, take them to lunch, connect with them on social media. I can't tell you the number of people that text me hey, I'm on my way to the emergency room and here's what's going on and things like that. Um, it's always good to have somebody who's looking out for you in your network. The other thing that I talk about too is, you know, we talked about insurance company and high-priced drug medications, but what does a better system look like? So under our current system, it's called fee-for-service, which means when you show up at the hospital, you're going to make the hospital money. You're going to make your doctor money. They're going to run a series of tests on you. Um, and collect. So during COVID, when nobody was going to the hospital, well, we're, we're still in COVID, but when nobody was going to the hospital, the taxpayers were bailing them out, right? There's this little known healthcare system called value-based care that's delivered by accountable care organizations. And basically it's a network of providers, um, physical therapy, registered dietitians, doctors, nurses, and what they do is they're incentivized. They get a certain amount to care for you. And they're incentivized to keep you healthy and keep you out of the hospital. So that's the way to get your care delivered. So how do you, how do you get into an accountable care organization? Well, you could do a Google search to find out if there's one in your area. And usually there is one in your area. And then you can ask your doctor, are you part of the accountable care organization? That sends a very strong message. That message is if you're not part of the accountable care organization, then I need to go to a doctor that is because the statistics show that I'm going to do a lot better if I'm cared for under this capitated model of value-based care and I'll be healthier and out of the hospital. And not, you know, when I read a, I read a research report, only 25% of Americans know that this exists. Um, I could go, I could go on and on about value-based care because they tried to get it into the infrastructure bill. So during COVID, when, you know, when we were bailing hospitals out to keep their doors open because nobody wants to lose access to care, 
value-based care organization saved $4.1 billion. And they wanted, in the infrastructure bill, they wanted a value-based care act put in there because they thought they could save an additional $313 million over the course of the bill. Um, but it was not included. I read what was included from healthcare and it was not included, even though it would have helped pay for the infrastructure bill. So there's a lot of shady stuff going on behind the scenes because, you know, fee-for-service model makes a lot of money, right? So, you know, and and if it doesn't, then the taxpayers come by and bail you out. So, but value-based care is something that'll keep you healthier. And I, I would strongly encourage every American to get into a value-based care model. So um, what is the number one thing you want people to take out of having read this book? Yes. I want them to learn how to be a better partner in their health care. I want them prepared for those situations when the insurance company tells you, heck no, I'm not paying the bill. So there is one area of the book where that happened to me. I was settling in the state of my aunts. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she lived in Syracuse, New York. And I insurance company was not moving on it. And they would say, you have to call this person. They're on vacation. You call 40 minutes later, you get disconnected. And so I asked a friend of mine who's a medical doctor, you know, what do I do in this situation? He said, yeah, you want to call the senator's office. I said, senator's office? And he said, yeah. So I called the senator's office, waited about 30 seconds, got an aide, told the aide what was going on. And he said, oh, we've got people over there. We'll, we'll take care of this for you. Five days later, I got a, a note saying that they were, they were going to cover it. And two weeks later, I had a check. But not a lot of average Americans know that the political system can be an advocate for you as well, because they're tied in to, to healthcare insurance companies or pharmaceutical companies, because they're taking money in their campaign contributions, which is why some of this stuff that really should move through in legislator, legislator does not move through. Um, but the book I want people to be an advocate for themselves. I want them to be well-educated and knowledgeable and be prepared for the shady characters they're going to run into in the American healthcare system. And the book is called How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, A Patient's Guide for Survival. There's the cover of it. I'm going to put a link in the discussion uh, in the chat for people who... Uh, didn't see it in the description. Um, so you can get it today for free on Amazon. Um, and, uh, you know, leave us with some concluding words here, David, on some things we can do to not be a victim of the American healthcare system. Well, again, you know, it's all about proactive education. The American healthcare system is so complex. There's so many different aspects that I could get into, but globally, what I want Americans to hear is, you have the power to be a partner in your healthcare. You don't have to do whatever, whatever the doctor's telling you, or even the nurse. You have to research and think it out. One of my aunts just recently was told by a, a, a surgeon that when she went to get her license removed that she, or renewed, she couldn't do it because she has cataracts and they needed to come out right away. And, uh, and she said, what do you think about that? And I said, well, you drive 5,000 miles. She drives to all these timeshares, right? I said, you drive 5,000 miles all summer long. I said, how's your driving? And she said, excellent. I don't have any problems with vision. And I said, so there you go. You don't need them taken out. Your body will tell you when it's time to have them taken out. And, uh, you know, and so this doctor's obviously trying to drum up some business for himself. Um, but that's the kind of stuff I want people to avoid. I want them to be educated enough to be able to say, you know what? I have no problem with my vision right now. And I really don't need my cataracts out. And do it when you start to have vision problems. It's just that, that so yeah, it's just that education piece that you know not a lot of Americans know. They get into the healthcare system and then they think to themselves, "Boy, this is really messed up," and they get hurt. I mean, medical errors was the third leading cause of death before COVID. Medical errors, the third leading cause of death. I mean, you know, this is serious stuff, guys, and so. I would encourage you while we have a book free out there, please go pick up a copy and read it because, you know, I just want you to be knowledgeable and able to access the system and be safe. Well, David, thank you so much for the book and thank you for spending some time with me here on the show today. Thank you, Steve. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you for having me.
That is great stuff. A book you really need to have, you really must have, so that you know how to be able to really oversee and be actively a part of your own health care and get the care that you want and you need. What a great thing, you know, to be able to share with the world. David just simply taking all of the stuff that he's learned with his expertise and helping you be able to navigate the healthcare system. That's a great way to share yourself with the world and a great way to live as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free, it's guaranteed, it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes your bestseller today.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call your bestseller today.com go to your bestseller today.com book a talk with steve it's proven it's guaranteed it's gonna happen all you have to do is say yes to your destiny Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. One last author I'm going to share with you today as he shares himself with the world, the personal development that he went through and now teaches people a special key to be able to really live abundantly. Ooh, I know you want to learn that and grow in that level so that you can share you with the world powerfully and make the difference that you're meant to make. Let's jump right into this. Join me in welcoming Brandon Beecham. Hey, Brandon, how are you doing today? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Hmm. Great question. Well, um, let's see. I have been a serial entrepreneur since I was 10 years old, probably, and started uh, going every day after school to to uh, 7-Eleven to fill up on Jolly Ranchers that I would then mark up three X at school <laughs> each day. And uh, that was my beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. And, um, you know, so I, I, I really kind of brought my worlds together when, when I was in my early 20s, um, I started to get very excited about uh, exploring the ultimate nature of reality and consciousness and spirituality and those sorts of things. So um, that that was really been a passion since, you know, since my early 20s, uh, been on an, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, my, my biggest entrepreneurial success was with a um, company called Resort Share that I started uh, on, while living on my friend's couch and then applying these ideas I was learning about consciousness and the ultimate nature of reality to change my situation from, you know, being on my friend's couch in my 30s to having, you know, an Inc. fastest growing private company and, uh, you know, doing uh, 10 million a year in revenue, uh, which, you know, only one in 10,000 entrepreneurs ever achieves. And uh, I, I attribute all of that success uh, to my understanding of consciousness and the ultimate nature of reality. So I then, uh, you know, sh shortly after that, that experience, I set out to um, create a podcast where I talk about that sort of thing called Positive Head. And uh, Positive Head has really been a labor of love, uh, helping to, to, you know, share this information with people that, uh, you know, I've utilized. I always say, you know, theories and philosophy and all these things are great. It, where the rubber meets the road is what kind of results do they get you, right? And I, I found they've gotten me tremendous results in my own life and, um, you know, I've, I've shared that in over 1,500 episodes of my own show at this point, uh, Positive Head. And um, yeah, I, mean, I just recently released a book. Uh, that also kind of summarizes all of my my learnings in this 
uh, realm related to to consciousness as well. And that that's in a nutshell who I am and what I'm passionate about. And the book is called The Golden Key. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write the book and what the book's about. Yeah, yeah. So the, the idea for the book, the inspiration for the book actually came to me in a dream, um, August 6, 2020, actually. And uh, I had a dream that was a very specific, um, you know, um, um, explanation of what I should write the topic about and, uh, and the unique way in which I decided to distribute it to the world was also shared with me in that moment. And so I woke up and that excitement was still there and I, uh, and it, it persisted. So that's how I knew it was something that I should really follow up on. And, uh, the idea with the golden key, this, the subtitle is modern alchemy to unlock infinite abundance. And, um, yeah, just, you know, I've been passionate for 25 years exploring the ultimate nature of reality. And that, uh, the, um, the golden key, the, the idea with it was creating a um, really a, a distilled version of my 25 years of exploration of this topic and um, into 100 pages to read or three hours to listen to, <clears throat> just over three hours if you listen to the audiobook. And um, yeah, that's, that's uh, what I set out to do and, and released it a few months ago. And, uh, you know, I'm also, as I will explain at the end of this show, uh, I've decided the best way that I can be of service to the world is to uh, allow anyone to get access to this information and, and, and try on the ideas for themselves and see, see what kind of results they, they get. So uh, yeah, at the end of the show, I'll, I'm happy to throw out a, a, a gift code where people can get the audio or ebook for free. Perfect. I love that. Um, and so, oh, here's a really unfair question. What's your favorite part of the book? Mm, my favorite part of the book. That is a tough question. Um, let's see. Um, you know, if I had to name a favorite, it is probably um, the, the final, there's eight keys in the book and the final key uh, sort of sums them all up and ties them all together. And I guess, you know, always um, having having the the opportunity to, um, you know, tie everything together in a way that is uh, meaningful is, um, I guess, uh, if I had to name something, but it is, that is an unfair question. <laughs> Absolutely. It's kind of like asking you, which of your kids is really your it, favorite? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, and we're not supposed to answer that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, so many people struggle against it. What would you say is the biggest thing that holds a person back from really mm. using their golden key? Mm, great question. So I think the biggest thing that holds people back is their perspective. Uh, it is it really, you know, a lot of people think with the golden key, it may be about, you know, modern alchemy to unlock infinite abundance. This is you know, talking about money and monergy is just one form of abundance. Um, there, you know, I would say time is the greatest resource and form of abundance and health, you know, would be right up there as well. And so um, I think the thing that, that, that really holds people back from unlocking all of these various forms of abundance is um, the story that they're telling around them, you know, around their situation. I, I often say on my own podcast, Positive Head, that the only thing I'm really good at is telling good stories about myself. And, you know, because we are creator beings, we are the creator and created rolled into one, I believe. We are one with the source consciousness that creates and animates all things. We are fractals of the divine. We, we create with our beliefs. And what's great is science actually really shows us. I mean, 30% 30, 30 is conservative estimate of the amount of healings that are placebo, uh, including surgery. So our beliefs create reality. Abracadabra translates to I create as I speak. Our words are our wands. We are spelling. We are casting a spell with our beliefs. So, you know, if you take a, a lot of us are much like uh, what I call jar jumpers. If you, take a, if you take a flea, which can jump really high, and you put it in a jar with a lid on, it'll jump all the way to the top, hit the top, and then go back down, and then it will adjust, right? So it only can jump as high as that lid. Now, if you take the lid off, it could easily jump out, but guess what? It's now been trained to only jump as high as the lid. It will never jump out. 
So that's how many of us are navigating our lives. We've been sold a story about who and what we are and our potential. And uh, abracadabra, I believe this is, you know, this is who I am and what I'm capable of. And so it is, you know, as Henry Ford said it in a different way, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And so I really help people to tap into the truth of who and what they are. And like I said, when you start applying some of the perspectives that I share, um, you know, whether on my podcast or in the book, um, you know, the results speak for themselves. So, you know, you were talking about earlier about being on your couch, obviously mm -hmm. some bad stuff had happened in your life. And for all of us, it's really easy to just then lay there and wallow, right? <laughs> um, right. But for somebody who needs to get started, what's step one? What is the first thing they need to do? <clears throat> Great question. Yeah. And it, it's, what I would say to everyone listening who, who is at that low point, congratulations. You are right where you need to be. You are perfectly positioned to the, the, where you're at is the perfect jumping off point for your soul to uh, grow into the next greatest, grandest version of itself, or it wouldn't be happening. So, you know, once you start to understand what we're experiencing as being, as as eternal beings in a, in a physical body, essentially, um, is we come here for the contrast. You know, smooth seas never made for a skilled sailor, and we all came to become skilled sailors, right? So you've never seen a great work of art without shadow in it. And so that's, you know, we are, we are one with, you know, as I lay out in the book, we are actually one with everything that we see. There is no out there out there. It's all an extension of you. It's all the same consciousness. It's the same energy. Physically, we, we can show this. Science supports this too. And so once you start to understand, wow, I'm an extension of it all. And the only issue is, is that I have, you know, been creating sort of, you know, starving myself of the life that I, uh, I want and, and, and deserve, um, you, you can, you can start to understand that you you've had contrast and that contrast is actually a good thing. Like this is what, you know, we, this is what God's source, the universe consciousness, you know, higher self, whatever you want to call it. It, it, it is it all, but, and it is love, but without the contrast that becomes meaningless. So to, you can't know that what you are unless you know that what you are not. So if you've been having a lot of quote unquote, bad contrast, negative contrast, Congratulations, because you're perfectly positioned to fully appreciate what comes next by by shifting your perspective. My brother, when he was in his early 20s, he didn't pay a, a ticket and forgot about it and then got pulled over years later and they took him to jail. And he is a very sensitive guy, not the type of person you'd expect to see in jail. After three, four days, they let him out. I picked him up um, after midnight. They let him out after midnight, brought him home, 1.32 in the morning. I cooked him a Hot Pocket. If you ask him to this day, what is the best meal he ever had? Guess what he says? That Hot Pocket. The reason was he had such contrast and appreciation for it after the trauma he had just been through. So that's the story of all of us. You know, you can't know that what you are unless you know that what you are not. So once you have had enough of that contrast that you don't want to see more of, Trusting the mystery is one of the keys in the book is trust the mystery, knowing I am perfectly positioned to get to where I'm meant to go next. And if you're hearing these words, you can't attract anything that's not a vibrational match for you. So you couldn't hear these words if it wasn't somehow an extension of your consciousness. So you're ready. You're ready to unlock more of the abundance that is your birthright. Now start doing things like listening to shows like this or reading books like I'll share with you in a minute or or, you know, start getting more sun and doing the little things make a big difference, you know, get exercising. You don't have to, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but just lay one brick, right? And so that's really, uh, that's really where it's at. Starting to take those little baby steps will lead you everywhere. And speaking of your free gift in the book, tell us uh, where we can get the book and how we can get uh, in contact with you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, you know, on social media, Brandon Beecham, you can search and find me. Um, you can, uh, of course, my podcast, I do five days a week, along with my co-host, um, Positive Head. You can find that anywhere there's podcast. And the book, uh, if you go to goldenkey.gift, G-I-F-T, goldenkey.gift, and you use the code fully thriving at checkout, you can get the audio uh, and or ebook uh, as a gift. Perfect. Well, I appreciate that. And the book again is called The Golden Key, Modern Alchemy um, in a, in a just modern, a modern Alchemy to Unlock, to unlock infinite, infinite, abundance. infinite Abundance. There we go. I was looking it. at it and then the little <laughs> thing scrolled on me and it went to a magazine. Review. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, I got to read that. <laughs> um, well, Brandon, I really appreciate you spending some time with us here on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for having me and all of you out there listening. Uh, you know, keep on keeping on. You are you are doing it and you should be proud of yourself for where you how far you've come. Oh, that is such a great secret. Such a good key that each of us needs to know how to be able to use to make that powerful difference in the world that we're meant to make as we just simply share ourselves with the world. I know I make it sound so easy, like, you know, just share you with the world. I encourage you to just be the best you you can be while it's called today. Again, it can be as simple as a smile or a twinkle in your eye. It can be, you know, sitting in your house alone and saying prayers for the people in your life that you love. It doesn't take uh, you know, coming up with the cure for cancer, although if you're listening and you're coming up with the cure for cancer, bless you, we appreciate that. But it doesn't have to be at that level. It can be as simple as just sending out good vibrations, good thoughts, good feelings out into the world to want to be a active part of making the world a better place. Whatever your thing is, I encourage you to share you with the world, to make that difference that you're meant to make because you are so powerful, so special, so wonderful, so grateful that you have joined with me here today. You are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world absolutely does need you. I hope that you know that anything that I could do ever to help you out to make your life better, to help you with your messaging, and most importantly, to help you share you with the world. I'm here for you anytime. If you ever want to talk, um, you know, I'm glad to, you know, talk to you for free. See what I can do to help. You can simply just go to AskSteveKid.com, schedule a time with me. I would love to talk to you. If I can help you out, I'm glad to. And if I can refer you to somebody else who can help you, I'd be glad to do that too. I just want to see us all be able to share you with the world. You share you, I share me. We all come together to make this world a better place as each of us lives as a thriving entrepreneur. Until we're together again next time, I hope you're happy, safe, warm, and loved, that you know how great you are, that you share you with the world, that you have an amazing and great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission stand out with your brand out <laughs> check this out guys yep everything's marketing and marketing is everything your existing book can become a best-selling book or even hey like mine a number one international best-selling book in five days listen if your business isn't known by everybody it's obscurity and that's death right the same thing is true for your book if you're not happy with the way your book is performing you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling Go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve,
believe. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sniffs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.